This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Welcome into the Hoisted Colors podcast. It is game week for East Carolina. That's right. We are five days away from kickoff as we record this on Saturday. I know it's not officially a new week yet, but it is game week. If you miss it on Twitter, I had the rundown of why today is basically Monday because the Pirates play on Thursday. I'm not going to go through the full rundown, but I am, of course, Stephen Igo, the host of this podcast, the publisher of HoistedColors.net. It's our final position preview podcast, so we're going to run through this, our defensive back preview to wrap up, our roster preview for the 2021 season, because we are in game week, because we are talking App State as soon as tomorrow. We'll have Brett Hickman, head coach at West Brunswick High School, join us tomorrow to break down some X's and O's and, and a whole lot more. Uh, going into the App State matchup, but we're going to talk primarily ECU today. I tell you what, it's great just to have college football on in the background as I record this on Saturday afternoon. Illinois and Nebraska going at it. I, you know, I don't really care too much about this game, but it's hey, it's live college football. Fans in the stands couldn't be more excited. Can't wait for next week. Can't wait for Thursday night in Charlotte inside Bank of America Stadium. But before we get there, let's talk DBs. And for the first time in a long time, I really feel like the whole entire defensive backfield has a chance to be a major strength for East Carolina. When Mike Houston, the head coach, who has a background, of course, as a safeties coach and as a defensive coach, is saying in the preseason that he loves his secondary, which he has said on the record this preseason, I think that speaks to the upside of this group. Now, Still pretty young across the board. Do have some veteran players. Do have some key guys returning. Add a key guy in DJ Ford, which we'll get into. But I think the overall speed and playmaking ability and the, the phys- physicality of this secondary has a chance to be the best we've seen since probably the end of the Skip Holtz era when Van Eskridge was out there crushing people. Emmanuel Davis was covering guys. I do think it has that much upside. Now, it's a totally different brand of football. You're still going to give up your passing yards. You're still going to give up your plays. But you can still give up those plays and be an impact secondary by creating turnovers, by getting off the field on third downs, that sort of stuff. You know, this isn't the 2008 Conference USA anymore where you're facing a couple high-octane offenses and then able to pad your stats for some other teams at times. So... This day and age in college football, it's just really hard to stop people, especially in the passing game, if those teams are good. But we'll get into what makes this secondary, in my opinion, have a chance to be so good. I think it starts with the cornerbacks, and you have to start with Jaquan McMillan. When he is healthy, he is the best player, in my opinion, on the field for East Carolina's defense, and he has a chance to shut down one side of the field. I mean, if he was two inches taller, he'd be playing in the SEC, he'd be a legitimate first round second round pick candidate but he's only five he's only five nine I think he's listing out five ten but he he's undersized 
But that doesn't stop him because of the way he plays, because his ball skills are so good, because he's so good at sticking to his guys. Jaquan McMillan last year started a little slow, had a rough game versus Georgia State, didn't play his best versus UCF. Turns out he was dealing with turf toe. Once he got healthy the second half of the year, man, he turned into an absolute uh, lockdown corner. Again, not quite as dominant as his true freshman year in terms of completions allowed per the amount of targets, but <clears throat> the second half of the year he was playing extremely good football. But you don't you don't only have Jacob McMillan, you have two other starting caliber players in Malik Fleming, who really took a massive jump freshman to sophomore year last year. Uh, and then also Nolan Johnson, who really brings a different caliber athlete to the position. You want to talk about pro potential. Nolan Johnson, 6'2", 195, he can run. You know, if he continues to refine his technique and continues to come along, I think he's a guy who could get a shot at the NFL just due to his length and his speed. I really love Nolan's upside. He's gotten better each year in the program. And you got to give a lot of credit to cornerbacks coach Steve Ellis for for really bringing these guys along. So those three corners, you have three starting caliber corners for two spots. We'll maybe talk about how they could squeeze in all three of them in the same uh, on the same play. Maybe you, maybe you move uh, Malik Fleming to the nickel, and you put Nolan and Jaquan outside. I mean, they pretty much all split snaps a year ago fairly evenly. Uh, Malik and Jaquan played a little bit more than Nolan, but I think if you're facing a bigger receiver who's given some of your smaller corners in Malik and Jaquan fits, then you want to go Nolan. I mean, watching Nolan Johnson against C.J. Johnson in practice, Nolan Johnson wins – just based on my brief time watching them, Nolan Johnson wins the majority of the time because he matches up extremely well with CJ in that style of receiver. So uh, that's something that you have to keep in mind based on matchups going into the year. So you have those three guys. Demel Hickman's a fourth-year corner who's really come along. Steve Ellis told me he really includes Hickman in that group with those other three cornerbacks. So expect him to see a lot of time this year, potentially, especially on special teams, maybe defensively as well. Then you got a young cast of, of corners who are going to be the future that are kind of developing right now. Sean Tucker is a guy that I really like out of D.C. He's in his second year along with C.J. Crump. And then Jaden Chalmers is a first-year player, signed with North Carolina in high school, didn't qualify. Tell you what, he's made some incredible plays this preseason where you just you kind of say, wow. He made a play in the, the past scrimmage where he was trailing Troy Lewis on a 40, 50-yard bomb downfield. I didn't think he had a shot at all. To make the play, he made it up, hit a, hit a different gear, and then leapt in the air and basically snatched the ball out of Lewis's hands, knocked it to the ground on a pass from Mason Garcia. It, it was an impressive play. So as all those guys continue to add weight and develop, you know, I think you'll really see that position continue to be strong. As long as they keep Steve Ellis, I think this, this group is in great hands. So um, very, very excited. I also like the commitment they have, Isaiah Brown-Murray, who's projected to play corner for the future. So there's your corner room, just a brief synopsis there. As always, we're going to get into our our uh, questions on the message board. we got a ton, so we'll get to those in a second. Just want to quickly run through the safeties in the Sam linebacker spot. Again, you know, Sam linebacker basically a third safety on the field. And Jaira Wilson returns as your starter there. Gerard Stringer was your starter in 2019 at the nickel position. Uh, but then he tore his Achilles last year. He's now back and healthy. So you have two starting caliber players at Sam and Jairo Wilson and Gerard Stringer. And then you have a converted running back in Demetrius Mooney, who's also played some of the second team, is going to play a lot on special teams as well, who's just a guy that covers a lot of ground, runs, hits, does a little bit of everything. 
Um, you know, I, th- I think still learning coverage, the responsibilities there, but in terms of run fits and tackling, that won't be a problem for Demetrius Mooney. So I think you'll see him in some special packages as well at Sam. But I really like the three deep at that position. They can also move some of the safeties to Sam. You know, Tegan Wilk has spent some time there, Warren Saba. So it's a very versatile position depending upon the defensive package. Now looking at safety, I mean, all of a sudden overnight, this has become arguably the deepest position on the team. It's going to be a fight to see the field. And I guess the good thing is you can almost rotate the safeties almost like defensive linemen just based on the sheer numbers the Pirates have on the back end. You bring back Warren Saba and Sean Dorso, your two starters from last year, but they might not even start against Appalachian State. That's how it's looking now. I mean, they also ECU also added DJ Ford. You know, a transfer from North Carolina, and sometimes these transfers can get hype, get hyped up, not really deliver, not really practice well. But DJ Ford, from his first practice onward, has balled in to the East Carolina way. He's not some stuck-up North Carolina transfer who expects something to be handed to him. He is an ECU guy in terms of mentality buying in, fitting the culture, and he's looking like your starting boundary safety on day one. Now, of course, they'll rotate a lot, probably like we just talked about, but I think DJ Ford, number nine, will be out there as your starter on Thursday night. At the other position, the the revelation of sorts this offseason has been Jawan Powell, third-year safety who's you know made some plays in the past, been inconsistent, has dealt with injuries, but has really come on strong kind of with the increased comp- increasing competition across the board he's had a healthy offseason has really developed trip weaver the safeties coach told me he's made it you know he, he's realized the importance of taking care of his body watching film basically juan has has found the desire to become a good football player and you combine that with his natural athleticism and you have a chance for a, a game changing safety he's made a ton of big hits this preseason that i've seen getting better in coverage which is always important for the position he plays. So uh, we'll, we'll see if he opens the year as a starting safety at field. I think he will. I think Warren Saban and Sean Dorso will back them up and also play a lot. And then Tegan Wilk is a guy that I really like as a second-year player. Every time I watch this defense, he's on the field making plays, and he almost is forcing his way into the lineup. I think he's going to be an impact player on special teams. I think long-term he'll be one of your starting safeties. So I expect Tegan to play. Uh, a role in this defense uh, you've also got several other safeties you know they brought in Julius Wood a Juco recruit he's probably more of a special teams guy right now as he learns the defense Devin King from Marshall transfer same type of deal David Laney's a, a talented second year freshman just like Tegan who probably has a role of some sort good speed needs to continue getting stronger you know they got a couple walk-ons as well that have a chance to contribute like Ty Moss so this safety room really is as deep as I've seen, and that's even with Kingston McKentry, another Juco guy, out for most of the year, most likely with an injury. So how that room shakes out is going to be interesting over the first few games. I feel like you've got a lot of guys who are relatively even through preseason practice, but how they play under the lights is really going to dictate you know, what, what goes on there. And who uh, who earns the trust of the coaching staff in those game situations? Who makes less mistakes? That's oftentimes what happens with safety. You can't, you know, as, as much talent as some of these guys have, you cannot afford the coverage bust that gives up a 50-yard touchdown for the other team. So uh, we'll see how that plays out over the first few games. So there's kind of a brief synopsis of the five secondary positions. Again, we're including the Sam linebacker, essentially the nickel position in this defensive uh, backs preview. 
All right, let's go on to our questions. All right, Berg Pirate, he is the first up. He says, how many draft picks slash undrafted free agents are in the DB rooms right now? Well, I think for sure, just talking with people in the industry, I think DJ Ford, if he has the year that we think he's capable of having, you don't find too many 6'3 safeties that can run. So I think DJ will at least get an undrafted free agent deal. If he has a breakout year, could get drafted. Uh, period, which would be a, a major accomplishment for an ECU safety. It's been a long time since the Pirate safety has been drafted. I think Jaquan McMillan is going to be hurt by his size, but I think he's a guy with his cover skills would be almost a perfect slot corner in the NFL. So I think there's two. Again, I don't know how many of these guys will get drafted, but I think they'll get a look. Uh, Nolan Johnson, we talked about it earlier. I think he needs to find a way to be more consistent, continue to increase his physicality, which he did a good job last year, but you want to talk about pure upside, 6'2", 195 corners who can run. NFL scouts like long corners who can run. So I think if Nolan continues to progress and he's only a redshirt sophomore eligibility-wise, he could get a look as well. So there's three. You know, you continue to look at the rest of the DB room, you know, as far as projectability. You, you have to almost have an elite trait if you're going to be an NFL DB that gets a look. You know, Jawan Powell has great speed. I don't know if he quite has the size to play safety in the NFL. Uh, I haven't seen enough of the young corners at this point to say one way or the other. You know, I don't know if the other uh, returning safeties are NFL guys. So I'm going to go with three in terms of that type of upside. I think Malik Fleming probably doesn't quite have the size or the elite coverage ability that McMillan does, uh, but he could prove me wrong. Again, he's another younger player, but... I think overall you're looking at Jaquan McMillan, Nolan Johnson, and DJ Ford kind of as your three there that project best when it comes to the NFL. But we'll see in time. Again, several of these guys are young and still early in their development. Yarm, he asks, what, with all I hear about DJ Ford and his character slash experience, would you consider him one of the most important transfers in recent history with what our younger players, specifically on defense, will pick up from him? Work ethic, knowledge, film study, I can only think and hope that this changes the landscape for the defense as a whole, having a player like him in the room and off the field. Well, to me, I think it's a, a great pickup, you know, most important transfer pickups in recent history. That's a bold statement for a guy who hasn't played a snap yet at ECU. Now, does he have the potential to be that? Sure. From a character standpoint, from an accountability standpoint, he's easily one of the best transfers I've covered. You know, so many of these guys just come in and, and just don't have the right attitude and right mindset, and he does. And that is more than half the battle because he's got the physical ability to be a special player. So uh, he was a part-time starter at North Carolina. Really, his, his junior season there, he was emerging into a full-time guy, lost his starting job due to COVID. We all know how long or how well Mac Brown is recruiting right now, and their their talent level is just at another level. And so, you know, no shame in him losing his starting job after opting out and then saying, hey, I've got one year left. I'm trying to make it to the NFL. Let me go somewhere I can play. But then he came here and he had to earn his spot, and it looks like he's done that. So if he plays well, I think he definitely goes down as one of the more impactful transfers in Pirate history. You know, there have been a lot of transfers that have simply been bust. The guys that just don't come in with the right attitude. Nigel not. Um... Tyshawn Dye, rest in peace. Corinne Wiggins was just okay. Um, Thomas Cirque, I don't know if it was a wrong mindset or what, but he just wasn't good after coming over from Duke. 
Uh, you have uh, Galen Elmore also in that transfer class. So you, you've got transfers over the years that just haven't panned out. And, and you know, you can go back to several others. Uh, Justin Dixon was a guy that just never really panned out, despite all his abilities, a former five-star recruit transferring in from North Carolina during the Ruff McNeil era. So, uh, you know, I don't know. I, I think I think DJ is definitely on the right path. I just don't think I can call him one of the more important transfers in ECU history right off the cuff uh, without seeing him play a game. So we'll, we'll see how it pans out, but I would say he's definitely got the potential to be that, especially if this defense excels and you make a good point about just teaching the young guys in that safety room about kind of the right habits. Dover Pirate, he asked, will we see a return of Nigel Knott this year? Um, I'm not sure if Dover is being funny here or uh, facetious or what, but Nigel Knott has been off the team since the end of last season. So, I mean, it's he's long gone. He went to Ole Miss as a walk-on where his dad played, and then he's already back in the the transfer port. I'm not even sure where he ended up after that. To be honest, it, it is what it is. I, I just don't expect him to make an impact um, wherever he is. He doesn't have the right mindset. So, Nigel not long gone. He will not, We will not be seeing a return of him at ECU this season. All right. Uh, Pirate backer. He's got a good question here. How do you view our matchup with App's wide receivers? Hennigan, Williams, Sutton, and Virgil are all tough. And they appear to have a few others that their fan base is high on as well. When you consider Peoples, Harrington, and Noel all returning the backfield, accounting for 3.4 thousand rushing yards last season, we will have to stop the inside zone and the zone stretch play, which can lead to committing another deep half player to activate uh, fast first run action. I mean, yeah, that is the that is the big concern. We'll get more into this with Brett in our app preview, but I mean, you have to commit so much to that, that running play to the stretch run. And they're so good at it that you have to almost overcommit, but then you have to be so disciplined with your eyes and with your feet that if you make a mistake and you guess wrong and you're simply guessing, you can get burned over the top or even on just a a simple, um, route across the across the grain on a play action bootleg easily. I mean, I having grown up a Denver Broncos fan, they basically won two Super Bowls on the back of the uh on the stretch run and on the inside zone. I mean, the play action boot off of it, they made John Elway in the twilight of his career elite because Terrell Davis was so good at the stretch and on the zone run. And even Jake Plummer went from being an average quarterback with the Cardinals to a great quarterback at times. With the Broncos, led them to an AFC Championship game, and they turned all those mediocre running backs into 1,000-yard backs because if you just have a guy who can make one cut and go, you can be very successful in that system if you have the right O-line. But that, that's the concern is you sell out so much to stop the run that, bam, they hit you with the play action over the top. And the problem is you're going to be probably in man coverage quite a bit. So it's a concerning matchup considering the experience they have coming back and with Sutton returning and the speed of those guys. I mean, Sutton is a big play threat. Virgil is a big play threat. Um, they got guys who can beat you over the top or they have guys who can make one catch. And if you, if you make a guy miss, you don't have too much behind him at that point if they hit you with the play fake. And that's why they feel like Chase Bryce will be a much better fit for their system versus Duke where a lot more was on the shoulders. Now, if you're ECU and you guess right and you get them in second and long, let's say that you know you, you guess right on a first down a running play, you get them in second and 11, second and nine, 
you get them off their pace, all of a sudden they're not able to run that stretch run on second and long. They're definitely not able to run it on third and long. And that's when you have Chase Bryce in the shotgun and you can send either pressure or send four and make him diagnose you and beat you just as a straight-up passer. If you're ECU, you love that matchup. It's just a matter of how often can you get them in that position. And I like ECU's matchup versus apps receivers in that position if they're able to drop, you know, six, seven in the coverage. Now, how often will Blake Carroll do that? I don't know. You know, they blitzed more than any team in America last year. I, I don't think they want to do that again, but I do think they want to still be aggressive. So the the good thing for ECU is they have the advantage of they know what app is going to run. I mean, certainly they'll have a few wrinkles, but overall, app is going to run their system, even with their offensive coordinator uh, being new. He is from the app tree, and Sean Clark is going to run that system. So, yeah, I mean, that's the thing is you're going to be putting some tough predicaments in terms of you're going to have to pick either, hey, do we commit an extra defender against the run and and stay vulnerable against the pass, or do early in the game, do you try to just win with uh, six in the box or, you know, bring down that without committing that extra defender? And if you can do that without getting beat significantly on the stretch run and you can just win straight up to an extent, then you have less pressure on you as a pass defense. But I think more often than not, they're going to try and take away the run. They know how important it is. They're going to try to get at off their rhythm, off their spot. And if they can do that, then the receivers become less of a threat. But if they stay in second and five, second and four, you're going to be in trouble if you're ECU. So you got to find a way to win first down as much as possible and also be disciplined with your eyes to not give up those big play-action bombs because as Mike Houston said in one of his most recent press conferences, they're going to do it. They are going to try to go play-action bomb early and we'll see how ECU holds up. Uh, especially with some new players in at safety. Uh, in terms of DJ Ford, even though he's experienced and Jawan Powell, even though he's played a little bit, those are two new starters in a new system uh, for the most part, especially with Ford coming over and with Powell missing so much time last year. All right, Starn asks, who do you think are the fastest of the defensive backs? Well, I think a lot of them have 4-4-5, four, 4-5 four, five, four, five speed. Um, I think they're all... That's the one good thing about ECU's DBs is that you do have legitimate speed now. I think, you know, McMillan probably not quite 4'4". Four, four. He's probably more of a 4'5 guy. Malik Fleming, when he's going, he's probably close to 4'4". Four, four. You know, C.J. Crump and Jaden Chalmers have both run a 4'4 four, four in camp before. Uh, Sean Tucker's probably more of a 4'5 guy. Uh, so I think Crump and Chalmers are two of the fastest guys. At safety, Juwan Powell, probably a 4'5 guy. Um, DJ Ford, probably more of a four six guy, which is probably why he plays boundary, but four six at three you know at six three, two fifteen, that's that's pretty damn fast for a big safety. Um you know, Saba, not a, not an electric speed, but solid speed. Sean Dorso's got pretty damn good speed for a safety. He can he can really run and hit, so um you know, Jira and Gerard Stringer, they're kinda in that mold too, where they're probably more four upper four fives, four six but they have great length to them. Demetrius Mooney might be a closer 4-4 guy. So uh, I'm just kind of rattling off what I think, just watching these guys from the naked eye. And maybe I'm off on some of them. But I think that, you know, probably, honestly, the fastest of the DBs, probably Crump or Chalmers, you know, two freshmen. I, I think Fleming and McMillan are probably close, but I don't think they're quite as fast as those guys. But, 
you know, who knows? I, I don't have their 40 times. I just know from covering their recruitment, kind of guessing um, what their speed was out of high school and, and seeing what their speed was out of high school. Uh, ECU Salty Dog, do you see us more man or zone coverage team? You know, they, they like to mix it up, but definitely last year they played more man just with all the blitzing. So, you know, they did do, of course, some some blitzes where they would fall back in zone as well. Um, but I, I think you're going to see ECU go more man than anything. But, the, you know, the, thing, the, the beautiful thing with Blake Harrell is he mixes it up. You know, he doesn't do one thing or the other, which is what makes it tough to prepare for East Carolina. Tons of stunts, uh, tons of uh, just mixes and coverages, tons of blitzes from the corner, from the Sam, from the linebackers, uh, tons of different looks, which is why it's tough to prepare for East Carolina. Um, so more of a more of a man team with the way Blake Carroll plays defense and with the corners you have, you can afford to play more man right now. You know, if you have a young cornerback group, you probably want to play more zone, more soft shell coverage and be less aggressive than what EC will likely be this season. Uh, Salty Dogs got a couple more questions. Interceptions will be a key defensive stat for this group. I know McMillan is probably the favorite here, but who gets the most in the group? Is there a dark horse candidate that could be a surprise? You know, I think uh, McMillan's definitely your best overall DB in terms of picks. I mean, the numbers speak for themselves. Seven picks, and that's with fairly limited targets the past two years especially the past year and a half once people have discovered him. He's got elite ball skills for a DB. I think really Malik Fleming has a chance now that his coverage skills are improving. Watching him, his high school tape, he had really good ball skills. I mean, he was a guy that could just go up and get it, even though he's not the biggest guy in the world. So I think Malik Fleming has a chance to take a big jump in the interception category. You know, DJ Ford, I think he's got one or two in his career. I think Jawan Powell was pretty good as a, as a corner in high school. Now he's playing safety, so he, he's got a chance to rack up some picks um, with ECU's defensive scheme at safety. We saw Saba get a couple last year. But I think the, the dark horse to watch out for is Tegan Wilk. Really good ball skills, tremendous instincts. I don't know if he's going to be playing more safety or Sam, but if he gets on the field a lot, he will make plays. I mean, we saw it in the scrimmage. Most recently, he was in the right place at the right time, covering Macy O'Donnell well, caught a tip pass, returned it for a pick six. In high school, I think he set his high school's interception record, maybe even broke the state mark for most picks. So he is just a really good, really heady player, and I think Tegan Wilkes a dark horse to watch there. But I would go with McMillan as the obvious candidate. Uh, final question from ECU Salty Dog. Earlier in the offseason, you had this as our best position group. Do you still feel that way, or it has another group slid ahead? I think the corners the corners alone I would put as the best position group just based on McMillan, Fleming, and Nolan Johnson. Uh, you look at Pro Football Focus's grades, three of the four top defenders from ECU's defense last year grades-wise, were those three cornerbacks. So three of your best four defensive players were corners. All those guys are back with a year of experience in the same system. It's hard not to say that's the best position group on the team. Now, I do think running back with Rajay and Keaton, you have two all-conference caliber players there. Uh, I know you have one in Jaquan McMillan. You know, Malik and Nolan can take that step this year as well. You know, as far as the safeties, the, the play was too inconsistent last year for me to say that the overall defensive backfield is the best position group. They just, they had too many, uh, they were beaten in coverage a little too much for my liking. 
had too many busts. But you know, first year, first year defensive system, new safeties coach, a lot of new players. And so you you had that. I mean, you were basically starting two guys who had never played safety at this level before in Sean Dorsell and Warren Saba. Jawan Powell had some busts early in the year, and he was really playing safety for the first time. So I just think second year in the system, you add a veteran guy in DJ Ford. You have Dorsell and Saba coming back. Powell's had another year in the system. Wilkes had another year in the system. Laney's had another year in the system. Jaira's had another year in the system. Gerard Stringer didn't play last year, but he's got starting experience. I mean, the I think if there's a position group that can take a bigger step than safety year over year, I would like to see it because I think the safety group has tremendous potential. And I think if they can find a way to be consistent and avoid those, you know, backbreaking busts, uh, that the ECU defensive back as a whole and what's becoming a coverage, a need to cover ability college football. You got to be able to cover people to win in college football these days. I think it's got a chance to really help ECU win a lot of games. So that's where I lean now. I think corner is the strongest position on the team in terms of proven ability. I think safety's got maybe the highest potential, but until we see it, I can't go with the whole DB group as uh, the best on the team. All right, our final question here from Starn. You hear it more in the pros. You can't have too many cornerbacks. So I love it that we now have really good depth and talent at DB. That has got to bode well for the defense. Can't see how our D-line won't be improved. Uh, yeah, I mean, I agree. You know, that's more of a comment than a question. But, you know, you're, you're three deep at cornerback for sure. You know, all you need is one other guy, whether it be Demel Hickman, Sean Tucker, Jaden Chalmers, CJ Crump, whoever, to emerge. And then you're four deep. And I think if, if they feel like they have to play another corner, I think Demel Hickman's the guy right now, and I think they feel good about his potential and the way he's bought into Steve Ellis's room. So I think they feel good about being four deep at corner, you know, two deep on both sides. Um, and then at safety, you can't have enough safeties. We talked last year, ECU was down to uh, just a couple of safeties a few games, which is why they went out and added DJ Ford, Julius Wood, Kingston McKinstry. I think as the season goes along, as Julius Wood, Devin King, some of those guys get more experience in the system. They could even find a way into the defensive lineup. You know, for now, you have a pretty good top group of DJ Ford, Warren Saba, Tegan Wilk, Sean Dorso, Juwan Powell. Like those five are going to play. And then, of course, you got Jair Wilson, Gerard Stringer, and Blake Harrell's even said there are going to be some some defensive lineups where you have Stringer and Wilson on the field at the same time. So I'm very interested to see what they do with some of these packages to get these guys on the field, it's going to be exciting. I mean, there's a good problem to have that you actually have more guys that can play um, or that you want to play at one time that you can't. So it's been a long time since ECU's defensive backfield has had that, and that comes through player development, coaching development, recruiting, all that sort of stuff. So excited about this defensive backfield. Uh, You know, I think there will be some growing pains, as always, in college football. They're moving some guys around. You're getting Stringer back. Um, Juwan Powell still kind of growing into that first time as a starter role. You know, we'll see how DJ Ford does in game action in this new defense. But the early signs are promising. And the way they ran and the way they tackled in scrimmages, and I know they were going against a familiar defense, but the way they tackled in scrimmages in space really, really was a uh, bright spot. I just did not see many missed tackles. And they'll get tested right out of the gate with that. There's no doubt about that. But 
I think long term, regardless of how this thing goes against App State, um, I think for the course of the season, you're going to have a defense that's able to hold up much better against the pass, assuming they get some help from the pass rush. Uh, long term in this league, I think they got a chance to really hold up for the first time in quite some time. So that'll do it for our DB preview. Again, a lot to unpack there with so many different positions, so many different potential personnel packages, but very excited to see how it all unfolds. Starting September 2nd, five days out, we'll start to see some of Blake Blake Harrell's packages as the Pirates hit the field inside Bank of America Stadium. Uh, But that'll do it for our final position preview. We'll talk app tomorrow. I'm set to be joined by Brett Hickman. Our uh, Hoist the Colors insider, he's the X's and O's expert, as he has experience coaching at East Carolina and also coaching at the high school level at West Brunswick. So we'll pick his brain. He knows a lot of the guys at App, a lot of the guys at ECU. We'll talk to him about how the Pirates can emerge victorious in their season opener. Until then, thank you guys for listening to the Hoist the Colors podcast. We'll join you later this week. afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive, so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones so we'll never lose touch with civilization and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic? And conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey.